they brought the Gilded Age series out in 2022? Like, why now? Like, what resonated with you in our current? Well, moment? I mean, I I think realistically, the Downton Abbey series grew wildly popular, and I do think that drawing off of that popularity, they knew that there was a market for this. But I do think that it's extremely relevant in today's time because of the pandemic and work from home and people wanting bigger houses, more amenities at their homes and pools and golf courses and things like that, that has made these Gilded Age mansions that were, you know, discarded for a century come back to life. everyone happy friday happy belated july 4th to you all i'm actually recording this on july 4th i um had a really lovely time at the beach i even got a mr softy waffle cone with rainbow sprinkles and twist soft serve it was delicious um got to swim got my tan in Read some of the gay and lesbian review for an upcoming episode because they're going to be featured. Um, who doesn't want to read about cruising and homoerotic art while you're at the beach? I mean, I will be back to Fire Island soon. So maybe getting some uh, research and notes done, not even just for my dissertation, because I right now I'm working on cruising and Whitman and thinking about how to write it about cruising in his own poetry. But yeah, I am going to go, I am going to be back in on Fire Island and go to the Pines. So yeah, embracing this beach mode. And um, I really love that I have a beach that's right near me. So uh, shout out to Long Island. <laughs> shout out Long Island. Love the beach lifestyle. But I hope all of you just had a really, really restful, relaxing, hopefully grounding and empowering um, time with friends, family, yourself. Self-discovery is important. Um, so, okay. All the 4th of July things are out there. Also, I'm going to shout out Lauren from the Skin Med Spa in Port Jefferson, New York. Now you all know where I am, but I am only going to give you that information. Um, but Lauren, don't worry. I wear my SPF moisturizer. PSA, wear the SPF moisturizer, everyone, and put on sunscreen. Okay. <laughs> so today's episode is just so exciting. It is television corner it's the inaugural television corner which means that we're doing a deep dive of the gilded age series on hbo max you do not have to have watched the gilded age to get a lot out of this episode actually i hope that it convinces you to get that series playing on your tv and computer right away so hbo max i just did a plug for you <laughs> um they also have a really great podcast too called the official gilded age that um danielle who is my co-host um also my real estate agent who works for compass um 
real estate and that's where we filmed filmed well that's where we recorded um in garden city so thank you to compass um and if you ever on, are on long island garden city is such a cute village okay um i am long island's tourism spokesperson uh I really was so excited to record with Danielle because this is the first ever in-person um, episode that's been done. And I think you'll really tell that there's so much energy between us in our conversation. We also had just come from the Nassau County Museum of Art to see um, Impressionism art that um, was there. Um, now there's a really cool supernatural exhibit that I haven't seen yet, but I know I'm going to see it soon because... Part two of this episode is going to be filmed in the NASA County Museum of Art. Um, spoiler alert, there's a part two. It's going to come out in August. I'm going to be joined with, hopefully, um, Dr. Charles Riley, the director of the Art Museum, and also Alex Macaro, who is a curatorial intern. And I can't wait to meet Alex. Um we have a lot of similar interests with um, my literary, um, queer art, queer literary discussions that I bring up. Um, but also, um, I know Alex is in interested in so much of, I'm not sure about queer art, but I know Alex is really intrigued with um, how literature and art um, intersect. There we go. <laughs> finding words maybe this is my beach brain <laughs> okay but can't wait to bring you all that the nasa county museum of art is in um a mansion it was one of the frick family's mansions there you go it's a tongue twister and if you know the family name frick and you're in the new york city metro area yes it is the same frick as the frick collection the art museum in Manhattan. Um, the Frick collection, I think has changed locations, but used to be when I would go was in the Frick Gilded Age mansion on the Upper East Side. Okay, see what we bring you or I bring you especially. Um, I say we, well, it's a collective we. Mary's always part of these conversations, even though she's not here right now. Nicole and Kim are here in spirit. All of you are part of the collective. Okay, that's enough. I don't want anyone to think I'm creating a cult here of the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. But um, the Gay and Lesbian Review, they have such great um, articles in their magazines. And um, Ignacio Darnand, wrote about Paul Cadmus and queer visual art. And um, there's this painting called, um, oh, I'm trying to remember the painting name. I think it's called Fleets Inn. But um, that painting was then used by Jerome Robbins for his ballet, Fancy Free, which then becomes the inspiration for the musical on the town. And there's a whole homoerotic subtext to it. Right now I have to like finish an article about queering Herman Melville, Billy Budd, Moby Dick, sailors, cruising ideology. So fascinating. Then all of this is going to go into my dissertation chapter. That's a reminder for myself called manifesting my writing. Um, 
<laughs> also, I'm wearing my Hello Gorgeous Funny Girl musical hat because um, a lot of the discussion you'll hear in part one with Danielle is about um, the aspect of new and old money tension. And if you're an Edith Wharton fan, the series really takes up that bridge between old to new money. So think Lily Bart, the protagonist of the House of Mirth. Um, however, something Danielle and I leave off at the end that we're definitely going to pick up in part two, reminder for us, Danielle, <laughs> is um, about more about the Russells, but specifically the men in the Gilded Age compared to the women. So the gender relations, the differences in um, their behavior, their sexual behavior, especially. There's a lot of subtext about um, men getting away with um, having a mistress or it's kind of even turned on its head. And we'll talk about that in part two with um, Mr. Russell's, um, well, Mr. Russell's wife. So Bertha, Bertha Russell's um, lady, I'm trying to remember the terminology, but um, made, but her head made, um, tries to make, actually doesn't even try, literally lays in Mr. Russell's bed waiting for him. Um, and he, well, you have to watch the series. But so there's a lot of subversive going against the grain of what you think is going to happen, which is why I really like the Gilded Age series. Um, The Gilded Age has a podcast called The Official Gilded Age. Danielle and I relied on it for our research. So just want to make sure after you listen to our episode, definitely listen to um that podcast, the official Gilded Age podcast. Um, Alicia Malone um, is a host of Turner Classic Movies. She co-hosts it with uh, Tom Myers from the Bowery Boys. Love the Bowery Boys. Um, and it's a really good podcast. Okay, I think I've hit everything. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this discussion about the Gilded Age series. Hi, welcome to the Ivory Tower Boiler Rooms. First, there's a lot of firsts. First, television corner. First, actual in-person interview, um, because I am joined here with Danielle Nero. Hi, Danielle. Hi. So Danielle and I had a really eventful Gold Coast, NASA County Monday. Do you want to tell everyone where we were, Danielle? We did a little bit of everything. We were in uh, the historic village of Roslyn for lunch today. Um, and then did a little pit stop at the Nassau County Museum of Art, um, which was like an extra special little surprise for me today. Um, thank you for that. And uh, we got a little bit of a private tour um, and got to see a little bit of impressionist artwork and discuss yeah. a little bit of liter literature, which I kind of sat out on. <laughs> but you were there. I mean, Danielle was really jumping in. So we want to shout out Dr. Charles Riley, who's the director of the NASA County Art Museum. If you are in New York City, Long Island, New Jersey even, you can make it a day trip. Um, such a beautiful mansion of a Frick descendant, right. not the um, Henry Clay Frick of the Frick right. Museum in Manhattan, but it was actually bought for his son 
which I find is such an interesting wedding gift. Like I'm going to buy you a Gold Coast mansion yes. by the Long Island Sound. Or like build you this crazy house. It's pretty wild that that was just a wedding gift. Yeah, you know? exactly. Well, and I think it jumps into what's going to be the first part of many talking about Danielle's expertise. I mean, Danielle is a real estate agent at Compass. We're actually in Garden City right now at the uh, agency. Um, can hear the train, I love it. It's very scenic here. Um, so maybe to just start, if we wanna talk about the HBO series, The Gilded Age, I think we have to begin with that whole history of what families were coming and taking over the old families sure. of New York, right? The Knickerbocker families, they exactly. call them, who yes. were in the registry. And exactly. most of them were Dutch names. Yes. Um, so yeah, like what did the landscape look like even here in Nassau County for those old families being taken over by new money families? So in New York City, you had, like you mentioned, those Knickerbocker families, the predominant one that's also one of the only characters featured on the Gilded Age that is a real life person is Carolyn Astor. Um, she was one of the first wealthy old money families. And in the show, you have the Van Rines, the um, two sisters who are also old money. Um, one of the stark differences that I think that you see is, you know, their brownstone is sort of like and understated and then you have the new money moving in across the street who is sort of you know loosely based on Jay Gould as the husband and you know the Vanderbilts as the wife and trying to social climb and build this palatial wildly ornate home to you know show show their wealth um, and some of I think the decorative differences that I love to see is you know the Victorian antiques in the darker brownstone home as opposed to the French antiques you know collected in the newer homes and and there's even a French chef yes with exactly. the Russells this like <laughs> so the Russells are as you're saying I love that you're getting us there Danielle the Russells are kind of based on the Vanderbilts and the railroad tycoons exactly right the Rockefellers exactly. um and they were trying to keep up impression as much as possible to have the latest and greatest exactly. in fashion and cooking so they couldn't be caught out by the Knickerbocker, the old mm -hmm. money families. But right. um, at the same time, the Astors, right, have to make peace in a way with these new money families right. for business deals, especially. Right, exactly. Um, otherwise, I guess they're going to be the ones that get ousted at some point, right? Because the new money is growing and growing, the railroad is growing and going across the country, and you know their wealth is going to continue. So they have to find ways to make their way together. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, well, and like struggle there in this series, even at the beginning. You're right. That's our opening sequence. I just love how we start with um, the now iconic angel statue in Central Park. Oh yeah, being transported by carriage, and you can see that the Upper East Side was all farmland. So mm -hmm. literally they're just going through farmland to get to Central Park. And I remember having toured, I don't know if I remember the name of it, but there's a farmhouse still in the Upper East Side. And it's from the colonial period before the Revolutionary War. 
when the Upper East Side, both sides, the West and the East, were just all farmland. So like the whole city's tourism and commerce was all downtown, like Wall Street, Absolutely. up to like the 20, like ending at the 20s. Yes, exactly. Right, and isn't that where most of the fashionable families Right, down in the 30s was considered uptown for you know a good amount of time. But then as new money started coming in and building their homes and the older money wanted to push their way up and get away from them. So the city kept pushing up and up and up in an effort to escape what they didn't want to be with downtown. Yeah, well, and like, so why do, so the Van Rhines are our Knickerbocker yes. kind of lens. Yes. How we keep seeing all of the tension and the action. Yes with their neighbors, the Russells. And yeah. like you said, it's this almost white palace, um, you know, very ornate, almost reminds me of the Metropolitan Museum of Arts, yes. like entrance. Um, but why did the Van Rhines, like I was curious from the series and I'm asking cause I don't have the answer, but why did they move? Like, why do you think they moved uptown to that brownstone? compared to like just staying in like the Chelsea area. It became yeah. too overpopulated. And so it started to push them up because they wanted bigger and newer and more, and they wanted to get away from the new money. And if the new money was down on 31st street, then they were going to 61st street. Yeah. So I think that that's how the city got pushed up like that. Yeah. And I think what's hilarious though, is they can't escape no. the new money trying to push in because the new money is going to follow those old money families right. to try to get into society, right? And I think our biggest tension comes from um, the opera house and the boxes of the opera house. Yes. I don't know, that was a storyline I really was drawn to was yeah. like, how are the new money families going to try to buy their way into these opera boxes? Right, I mean, if you think about it also, just thinking about like if, if the Russells would have gone up town first who would have followed yeah they need to follow that old money they have to do what they're doing and they have to make sure that they don't misstep you know and that was something that we were discussing earlier about the daughter coming out and all of that kind of thing and not doing it too soon because she had to make sure that if she brought her out at her ball it wasn't going to be a no-show <laughs> yeah exactly well and that's why bertha um remind me again the daughter's name um, it'll come to us, yeah. but <laughs> Bertha has a daughter who, like Danielle's saying, is, um, going to come out to society, right? And like coming out as a young woman then meant that you were on the marriage market, yes. right? And Bertha is so nervous to bring her daughter out until she can make an actual old money connection. Old money match, not just a wealthy match, no. but an old money match. Yeah, because like her daughter will have so many opportunities to find a wealthy husband. It's not about just the money, it's about the name exactly. of the family. Exactly. Yeah, and I mean, I felt for the daughter a lot because she I felt so like she wanted to be to independent. Be a, yes, she was so desperate to be in that social circle. Yeah, well, and right before I hit the record button, I was, we were talking about how the scenery is represented, right? Mm -hmm. So we have, you know, those brownstones. But like in the interior, what might not seem, yes. you know, what might not seem ornate is actually an illusion because the interior 
is really ornate with how the Van Rynes are living. Like they still have, you know, chefs. They have a yeah. chef. They have yes. cooks. They have it is not the housekeepers. Life exactly. Yeah. They, they have an entire staff. They have, you know, antiques on antiques on antiques. It may be different from what they have across the street at the Russell's house, but it is certainly a, a level of wealth um, that they just think is better. Yeah. And I mean, why do you think they brought the Gilded Age series out in 2022? Like, why now? Like, what resonated with you in our current Well, moment? I mean, I, I think realistically, the Downton Abbey series grew wildly popular. And I do think that drawing off of that popularity, they knew that there was a market for this. But I do think that it's extremely relevant in today's time because of the pandemic and work from home and people wanting bigger houses, more amenities at their homes and pools and golf courses and things like that, that has made these Gilded Age mansions that were, you know, discarded for a century come back to life. So I think that, you know, in terms of the real estate market, we've seen people regain interest in those type homes and hopefully, you know, they'll be better preserved now and, you know, brought back to life a little bit. But um, I do think that the current political, you know, climate and residential market and, you know, everything, you know, as a, an effect of the pandemic has regained people's interest in that time because, you know, we relive history. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you think that tension, something I always return to, whether it be an Edith Wharton novel, like I love The House of Mirth, or I know... Danielle and I, shout out to the Gilded Age podcast. We did our research listening <laughs> and I thought the Bowery Boys, um, and I think her name is Alicia, um, that they brought a lot of good history yes. to light about like why this still resonates. And like you're bringing up some important themes. And I yeah, also definitely. just wonder, do we still have that tension of old and new money, like, and what does that look like Absolutely. in our current moment? I think it looks a little bit different, but there is that same air of no matter what you do to climb that social ladder, you are never going to have the name. You're never going to have the history that I have, you know, mm -hmm. that breed. Yeah. And I mean, even especially on Long Island, I feel like we still have a lot of that, like now we would call it like the new money would be more showy. Like I Absolutely. hear that a lot yes, about materialism, yeah. like the latest, greatest brand. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And like that. some people who come from older money are like, why do they have to be so flashy showing exactly. their money and their exactly. wealth? Or like where you go in the Hamptons, there's a whole strata of like Southampton is more old money apparently than right. East Hampton. I mean, right. yeah, I think you're right. It still does resonate, but I maybe just with how many people and the population has really shifted exactly. the names of families. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I guess we do have socialite families, like the Hiltons and- Oh, definitely. I mean, that definitely exists here still. And I think that there is a real like underlying um, group of these people that are generational wealth here that we don't even know exists. They live extremely private lives multiple homes so they're not people that you're interacting with all the time um and you know i think it's kind of surprising also how many of those old gold coast mansions still exist and are privately owned 
-hmm. we wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't necessarily move in the same social circle as some of these people, but they're still here. Yeah. Well, and they're not opening up their home right. to the public for exactly. parties. Exactly. It's not like the great Gatsby and the roaring twenties parties. Exactly. Cause they, like you're saying, they want to live more private and, you know, not be the out low, in the, the public. Key life, exactly. Like the new people that are maybe making all their money on Bitcoin. Yeah, never yeah, run yeah, in the yeah, same yeah. social circle. They may have the same amount of money. They might be able to buy their house over. Okay, hold on to that question because we'll be right back. But first, a word from our sponsor. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So Danielle, you were just talking about old and new money being represented as an amalgamation on Long Island. Yeah. So what is that home? It's the Whitney. Yeah, Vanderbilt Whitney. Um, it was one of the daughters. Um, her first name is escaping me right now, but she had um, a Fifth Avenue um, arts. She had an art studio in the city, as well as you know one of those palatial mansions on Fifth Avenue, um, and then had done this home out here that is just so super cool um and I have to give a shout out to Paul Medellinus who is from Douglas Elliman he's the listing agent on that home it is just a super cool house yeah. um she, like I said she was an artist and um has like these oculuses wow. in, the, in the ceiling and it lets all this cool light in and you know the artwork on artwork on artwork which was you know such a thing of the times yes, yes. um but then when you combine that with the fact that the um, person is an artist. I think it just created this really super cool house with, you know, mosaics and very cool staircase. And, and what town is this in? That's in Old Westbury. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, and I, something that was interesting, I think in the series is how much of it is Newport based, mm -hmm. or actually I think Newport is the only place outside of Manhattan that we actually see right in this exactly. like fictive world not in the shooting locations exactly. right because like Danielle and I know from their Gilded Age podcast that so much of it had to be shot yeah in different locations yeah like upstate New York to try to like recreate the blocks as yes. they would have looked or the pandemic restrictions they were able to actually shoot in upstate New York yes but yeah I don't remember but Long Island was such a popular, you know, second home place. Yeah, for definitely. The I think when travel maybe wasn't as easy as it had started to become with the railroad and, you know, and so on. Um, I think obviously Long Island being, you know, so close in proximity to the city made it an easy retreat um, mm. for people's, you know, cottage. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, there is a lot of scenes in Newport and I actually found the Newport sections to be intriguing because it seemed like it was one of the only times 
when the new and old money families, children were socializing. Right. So it's, it's like the children's generation, um, like Caroline Astor, I think is the daughter, but you know, the Astor children, the Russell children, right. they were all socializing and it was, it wasn't a big issue, but like right. Newport kind of was an escape for them. Absolutely. I mean, isn't that so like it is today where kids of today don't really see the things that their parents focus on as a big, as big an issue as they, the parents believe that it is. Yeah. So, you know, like the, the asters not wanting to mix with the new money is not as big an issue to the kids. Mm -hmm. You know, first of all, it's not their money. They didn't work to make it. Um, they may inherit it one day, but it's not, not, not any different to them, but also they want to just hang out and have fun and have friends. And that's what's important to them. So I guess that that's what makes that transition of joining the families together eventually. Yeah. And I think, you know, going to that preoccupation and anxiety that these old money families have, I was bringing up to Danielle an aspect that she hadn't really noticed, which I thought was interesting, which is how many um, period dramas um, like Downton Abbey, which was Julian Feller's other really popular series. Um, but even anytime they do, whether it be um, like a Jane Austen adaptation or, um, you know, period dramas of the Civil War. I mean, we have so many period drama shows. There's always flashbacks, like where I remember always seeing um, the childhood of right, one of the central characters. Exactly. Sure. And I was saying to Danielle, we don't really get any flashbacks of any of the families. Like right. we don't see, for example, um, we don't see like what the Astor family was like. Right. We barely really even get a glimpse into their household and what really goes on. I feel like so little of their life is shown. It's really, I feel like the this, this story of the Gilded Age series is really told in the perspective of Bertha and her like social climb to success, you know? Yeah, well, and I guess that makes sense because like that's the heart of the tension right. is with Bertha. Right. But I mean, also we do get a lot with Marion and like, she's kind of- She's Switzerland. Yeah, you're right. She's Switzerland <laughs> yeah. and she's in both worlds. Like yes. at one point she is an old New York in family reality, name. She is on her own penniless. Yeah. So, to scorn the people that are, you know, not part of the accepted social culture would be so bad of her to do, mm -hmm. you know, when she truly without her aunts is nothing. Yeah, well, and when she loses her money for the train fare in Doylestown, which like, so she came from, she married, or I was trying to piece this together because this is something where I don't, we don't get a lot of, again, how Marion yeah, gets where she is. Again, yeah. I wonder why we don't get a lot of backstory. Is it because it fits the theme of just the mystery around how people get to where they yeah. arrive in society? So I think like the backstory there was just that her father had squandered all of their money, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know where that part of the money came from, um, that Van Ryan money, or I, I don't know if uh, the the names are different mm. between Aunt Ada and Marion. Um, if there if there's a different part of you know money coming in from those two families, but um, 
he squandered all their money on women and alcohol and gambling and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. so she's, she's left with no money, but enough to get her on the train, right? From Doylestown to New York. Yeah. But, um, and she has to get the money from Peggy. Yes. Who, when she gets her purse stolen. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and like eventually we find out Peggy is from a very educated Black family yes. in Brooklyn. But right, Marianne has this really cringy moment where she thinks that she's from like a lower working class yeah. Black family. And yeah. actually it's the complete opposite. I actually love that they incorporated that part of like Black history yes. into this show because I don't think that it's something that a lot of people know even existed in the first place. And the school that she went to is a real school. Oh, in Philadelphia yes. we're talking about. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, I just think it was interesting to show that um, perspective. Yes. And that's something we don't get in Downton Abbey. And Definitely. I really wanted a lot more discussions of race and um, even, I mean, sexuality is kind of touched upon in Downton Abbey with like the, um, I'm trying to remember, I think he's a butler, but there's like a, you know, same sex relationship. And we do right. get that in the Gilded Age. I was actually surprised how quickly we get yeah, a same-sex right relationship. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, like going back to Peggy, I, I agree. I think they do such, Julian Fellows did a really good job. And I like remember reading or when we were listening to the podcast, there's a lot of discussion of bringing on a Black historian. Yeah. And they consulted a lot of different people. And that's the thing where I think the series does really well yeah. is they get the history detailed really well I really like that as well yeah I yeah. think they did a great job with that actually uh, you know we were talking um before about uh Bridgerton just a little bit and I don't want to dive fully into that because I think that at some point we'll draw some really good comparisons oh yeah yeah because we're gonna come back again yes, don't worry everyone we're gonna do this again um but I love in that series that they have incorporated race without mm. even acknowledging it and I think that it totally like normalizes that everybody should be coexisting um without yeah. any stigma or anything yeah. yeah and i think bridgerton um shonda rhimes talks a lot about how she wants the representation to exist there yeah um but not like always look into the prejudice right uh, which of course existed in historical fact. And we see that in the Gilded Age. Right. But I think you're right. It's really important to see that Peggy's family is educated. They are, you know, they actually have a servant. Yeah. Like yes, it exists exactly. in the same kind of strata, but what doesn't exist is that they can live on the Upper East Side. Yes. As the Black elite. Right. And yeah, yeah I mean... But the Van Ryan family, like there is an openness yes. around. But it's also like, we will accept you into our household, but you must, you know, sleep and eat with the servants. Yes. Peggy doesn't get to sleep. Yes. Like right. she's not in a guest, a guest room. As, as they had welcomed her into her their home as a guest. They're not treating her as a guest. Yeah. Living wise. Yeah, like she doesn't get the same privileges Marianne yes. gets. Um, yeah, so there is a limitation. Or when Peggy wants to get her um, writing out there with a newspaper, like she has to hide her identity if she does it through right. this like newspaper that doesn't allow Black writers. And it's mm -hmm. just, but eventually she does find 
a black owned newspaper and can get her voice out and her name out. But yeah, so I think the series does a really good job there. But now let's turn to maybe where we can tease, you know, where the series might have not. Where do you sure. think it didn't? So hit something your heart? that kind of confused me was early on in the series, they had chosen to show Stanford White as the architect for the Russells. Um, and in true history, um, Richard Morris Hunt had really done the majority, and, and you know, there are a great many Vanderbilt homes <laughs> throughout the country. Um, but he had done the majority of their homes, um, not for Sanford White. I thought it was a unique choice. I know, you know, Sanford White is really well known. It's funny because you made the comment earlier that the outside of the home reminded you of the Metropolitan Museum. And he did uh, the architectural design for the Met, um, as well as like the arch in Washington Square Park, mm -hmm. and, you know, many other monuments that, you know, we know. Um, as well as the original Madison Square Garden, which was where he got murdered um, oh, wow. in its first iteration. There's been, I think, three since then, but um, God knows the one that we have right now is not very nice. No, no, it's not. <laughs> no, no, Not no. exactly an architectural masterpiece, but um, yeah, so I thought that that was an interesting choice that I didn't think followed history that well, um, but still, and maybe, maybe we're, you know, teasing a little bit of scandal in the season to come. Maybe they are going to use it a little yeah. salacious tidbit in the- You're right. Like, are they going to bring in Evelyn Nesbitt? Yes. Are they? I was saying to Danielle, you know, uh, teaser, I'm going to have the biographer of Evelyn Nesbitt on. So like, this is going to be a real Gilded Age summer. But um, yeah, I maybe think you're right. To like fill people in for a moment though if they don't know about the, this the scandal. Yeah. So what's the of, scandal between so them? Stanford White was a well-known pedophile um, for like very young females. Um, he was murdered at Madison Square Garden on the rooftop watching a show by um, Evelyn Nesbitt's um, husband. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, who was angry at Stanford White for raping his wife, I think five years prior um, and taking her virginity. Um, yeah. He was eventually, um, I, I think that he was not convicted of the crime, but he was put into um, a psychiatric institute. I may be wrong. I think his name was Harry, right? Was it? Yeah, I, I think, think that so. sounds right. Um, but it's really funny because in my research, I found talk about, you know, wealth and what money can do for you. There's a photo of him in his psychiatric prison. Well, I guess that answers the question. So he must have been convicted because it was a psychiatric prison cell and he has food being catered from, I want to say Delmonico's or something. It's something like, like a crazy steakhouse in the city. Um, and he's like eating with like a silver tray in his prison cell. <laughs> wow. wow. So I guess that's what money will do for you, right? Yeah. Well, I think what's um, unfortunate is some people have been given history of Evelyn Nesbitt and Stanford White as if it was an affair relationship. But right. no, like I you're saying, that is not- her. Yeah. He, he brought her in as a young child, uh, not as a young child, but as a young adult and was, I mean, so far as, you know, paying for her dental treatments because he found bad teeth to be unattractive. Um, and, you know, he really was grooming, not just her, but other young women um, and using his wealth to his advantage. 
and making them sort of feel like they didn't have a whole lot of options, that they were sort of indebted to him. And that is how he became such a predator. He was well known for having orgies at, you know, his union club. And, you know, that was, that was his, um, what he was known for. Yeah. Well, and actually I am glad that we're kind of ending on scandal because I think season two will definitely have much more salacious. I have to say season one wasn't, I was surprised. I thought it was going to be more um, like muckraking newspaper headline storylines. I think they did a good job of, early on in the series, I felt like, eh. But then as they built the characters and you really got to know them and learn a little bit more of their backstory and the history, I think they really built a good background up and then I guess next season we will really be able to see a little bit of mudslinging and yeah well we even had um in the Van Ryan household um the one woman who works as a housekeeper like owed money and was like being threatened and had a gambling debt that's what it was it was a gambling debt stealing the silver exactly so but that the you would think that the Van Ryan sisters would turn their backs on her, but instead they like paid off the debt. Right. And, and they said about compassion. Exactly. But they're like said to her, you know, this is a lesson. Like, don't let this happen again. Right. Which I guess we'll see what happens in season right, two. Exactly. But um, even, you know, with Marianne, I always say Marianne, but I think it's Marianne. I right. So. Okay. Um, but did you know from the beginning that Rakes was going to have some infant, like being unfaithful in his intentions? I mean, I didn't want to listen to Aunt Ada. Yeah. I wanted the love story to happen, but you know, of course that wouldn't make for the best storyline. So uh, it did have to go sour, but I was definitely really bummed, but I actually am like really hoping that she ends up with um, the Russell's son, yeah. who is so handsome. That is a match yes, made yes. in heaven, in my opinion. But there we go. That'll be, you know, an amalgam of the old and new, you know? Well, and I think that that is definitely being set up because Aunt Ada will have a fit. Yes, <laughs> right? exactly. And it's going to be a lot of good drama. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as we end, yeah, go ahead. You have to say, now that Mrs. Russell won and got Mrs. Astor to her ball, mm-hmm. Aunt Ada may not be able to throw a fit about it. Yeah. You know? Well, and Aunt Ada actually goes to the ball. Yeah. So the old society's entering new society. Yes. So I think where season one, we could say Bertha, the whole tension was the Russells entering old society. It's now season two. Are they going to flip the script? Is it old society trying to keep up with the new money? Right. And are they going to relinquish their control? Which, right. like you said, they already did in the last episode. They with, had to. They had to. Yeah. Because yeah. if not, you know, they were missing out on. Yeah, they're going to be ousted from society. They realize, I think, at this point that they have to give in. But, you know, people are, are afraid of what they can't control. And I think that they tried to control it as much as they could. But Yeah. And I think as we end part one, one of my favorite moments is the um, Thomas Edison light display. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? It is. I think that was one of the highlights for me. I thought so, too. Um, but there's that quote that we get um, from, just remind me, of... Um, 
Mrs. Astor's muse, like Mrs. Astor's. Oh, uh, Ward McAllister? Yes, thank yes. you. That McAllister confides in Bertha. And again, McAllister loves. Oh, he loves. The new Astor. money, yeah, like he over the top. It, he yeah. likes garishness. Yes. But, um, and played wonderfully by Nathan Lane. That's the whole thing. I think having Broadway actors was one of the best decisions because it really does feel like an extended play. Yes. Yeah. Uh, when you were listening to the podcast, I'm sure you heard the interview with Carrie and she was yes. saying like being able to perform and act with these people that she never would have been able to perform with if Broadway wasn't closed, I do think was a really interesting um, bit there. And I think it made for a fantastic over-the-top performance from all of these people because this is a dramatic show. Yes, you know? and I think it needs to be done by trained actors in the theater because they get the period dialect and yes. I love the dialect. I love the lockjaw accent, all those, you know, reminiscences of old New York. Yeah. But yeah, so he has this whole saying about, you know, like, are you worried that like, are you worried about this progress? Mm -hmm. Like that it's moving too fast or right. it's going to take over us. And do you remember what Bertha says? I in don't response? remember her response. Okay, so she says, like, we have no control over that. We just have to keep up with history. Right, and she's making history. And she's making it, yeah. yeah. Well, and that's where I think the new money really knew their psyche was, we need to get involved in the industrial revolution and all these advances. We need to be at the top of it yes. instead of it dominating us. And maybe, right, that's kind of what we're seeing right now with technological advances. Like Danielle and I were having back and forth about social media branding and our, like how we share our research and what we do in our careers. In a way, that's a type of embedding yourself in the system. Absolutely. Right, instead of, having disdain and saying, I'm not going to do that at all. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Making your mark and creating a brand and your content. And that's what she's doing as well. Yeah. Well, on that note, Danielle, thank you so much for joining thank this Gilded you. Age deep dive. Love it. We are going to be back everyone with a part two. Um, I'm not sure we'll, where we'll be recording from. We might still be in Garden City, but we'll, we'll be in NASA County. Definitely. In the Gold Coast area. So I think for next time, you know, we'll dig more into what we didn't touch upon a lot, which was um, a lot to do with Mr. Russell mm -hmm. and like the elderman. And maybe we can jump right back in to what was it like for the men of the society compared to the women of the society? Because, sure. right, it's like two different narratives yes. happening. There yes. we go. Okay, we have a direction, everyone. Love it. Okay, well, bye and... Hope you all enjoyed. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room or True Crime in Academia. Welcome to our summer season. We made it to summer 2022. I am here with Mary DePippi. Hi, Mary. Hello. I'm Andrew Rimby, the executive director. Mary DePippi is our chief contributor. Uh, Nicole Arguello is our marketing assistant and Kimberly Dallas is our editor. So yay, our interns have positions. Okay. Yay. Um, please, please follow us on social media. We Mary posts so many creative things on her true crime and academia. How can they follow true crime, Mary? At true crime and academia on Instagram and TikTok. Okay. 
And then you can follow the Ivory Tower Boiler Room on Twitter at Ivory Boiler Room and at Ivory Tower Boiler Room on, ready? Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Okay. And you can email us. Um, we love to get pitched some episode ideas. So to do that, if you're a publicist out there, maybe you want to get one of your authors on our show, go to ivorytowerboilerroom at gmail.com. Uh, thank you to our audience, to our listeners. We're really excited because we have a lot going on on our Patreon. So Mary, do you want to maybe update everyone on our Patreon account? Yes. So aside from the content that we've already been giving you, we will also be having extra special episodes Um, specifically for true crime. I will be having an extra bonus episode every month starting in June. (gasps) Yeah. And the only get that if you are a subscriber. Yes. So patreon.com slash ivory tower boiler room. That's it. Just slash ivory tower boiler room. And we already have a lot of bonus material first. There is a full episode um, with Ursula Klein in our book corners. So you're going to see all of these new special series that are going to pop up in the summer on Ivory Tower Boiler Room. Yes, Mary will do it too on True Crime and Academia. You can listen to a teaser on our podcast, but guess where the whole interview is? On our Patreon. So only a cup, not a cup, but (laughs) a large cup of iced coffee um, at any of our favorite coffee companies, um, you only have to pay $5 a month. So please join. We will recognize all of you who join. We'll shout you out during the summer. Um, you can see our video interviews too. And if you want to become an ivory tower, $15 a month, three cups of iced coffee, uh, member, you actually will get our tote bag, our t-shirt, um, there's more. There's more. Oh, our mug. Cup. I'm drinking from our mug. <laughs> I should, <laughs> for everyone who will see this, I'm actually holding it up. It's a very cool mug. So we are so excited for all of you to join us this summer. I love hearing from all of you. I know Mary loves hearing from all of you. Mm-hmm. Direct message us. We read them. And yeah, check out our social media because we post so many clips from the shows. And I started to kind of finesse my way around TikTok. So Mary sees mm-hmm. how excited I get when I know how to add music and all these filters. <laughs> so um, on that note, um, please, please join us for our Instagram events this summer. We have a monthly book club. Every month we have our book club and we're going to start having television recaps um, we're going to have another open mic poetry event at Pen and Brush. So stay tuned. I think we might have a Halloween party, but just someone told me that. Okay. A little birdie. A little birdie. Okay. I think we got it all, Mary. So I think so. On that note, let's put a bookmark in this. Yep. Bye, everyone. Bye.